0: August the 4th, 2023, and we welcome you once again to our Chapter 49 podcast. Always great to have you. Uh, I'm Larry Lannan. I'm a retiree, and I am also uh, a volunteer with Chapter 49, dealing with communications. To a large extent, it's this podcast, which we try to keep weekly, and we will not be here next week. We'll explain why in a moment. But uh, uh, we, uh, at Chapter 49, represent most IRS employees in the state of Indiana. And we welcome back Duncan Giles, our Chapter President.
1: Thanks, Larry. It's always good to be here.
0: So uh, you will be traveling soon. The NTEU National Convention comes up next week, and we'll talk more about that a little later in the podcast. So you'll be tied up uh, next week. I've got some personal situations anyway, so we'll both be... uh, uh, away from our technology, so to speak, but uh, we do hope to be back in a, in a couple of weeks. But, you know, Duncan, it's interesting, you know, in Indianapolis area, our media is is always, you know, we're on to these crime stories, and, you know, Mike Pence, vice president, was at our state fair. But isn't it interesting, the top news story in the Indianapolis area, Taylor Swift is coming to Indianapolis. <laughs> You know, my daughter. That's, Rome,
1: that's probably the top news story everywhere she's coming <laughs> to.
0: Yeah, that she expanded that she would, expanded that tour she's she's on, but uh, she's got Lucas Oil Stadium is a big place. She's got three concerts there. Three. It's the first and, time any she'll, artist.
1: She'll sell them out within minutes. It's the all first three of
0: them. It's the first time any artist has had three different. Performances in that building, and you're right. You know, my daughter went up to Chicago to see her, so I don't know if she's going to try to go back to Indianapolis if she can get in. But even with three performances in that huge venue, tickets are going to be hard to come by. I guess I'm just an old fogey. I guess I I'm just not with today's music and the Taylor Tyler Swift thing, but she's, she's, she's big news. I mean, she's definitely the, the hottest ticket uh, in America.
1: Oh, I'm uh, both myself and my fiance Kim have signed up for a special list, so we can try and get tickets for my daughter Maddie, because she's a huge, she's been a huge Taylor Swift fan forever. So it's like, we'll give it a shot.
0: Yeah, a, a local sports writer has been around for years, Bob Kravitz. He's got daughters that live out of state, and he went on uh, X or Twitter or whatever it's called today. And said, okay, when I'm going to get a phone call from my daughters for Taylor Swift concert tickets, three, two, one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he probably, as soon as he posted that, he got he started getting phone calls from his daughters. But, uh, yeah, it's. I just think that's interesting, that whole phenomenon. Well, leaving that aside, let's get to our uh, our issues of the day. Uh our biggest issue is something that you brought up with Tony Reardon when he was on our podcast just a couple of weeks ago that has to do with this prospect of another government shutdown. The Congress went on their August recess and, you know, basically said bye and when they get back they'll have what two weeks to get a budget done? And there's yeah, no prospect of two weeks. Not even not even a prospect of a continuing resolution at this point. Uh, It seems to be, Duncan, there are certain members, or just a group of members in the House particularly, who seem to be cheering on a possible government shutdown. It's like memories are short. You know, these things are not pleasant situations.
1: No, they certainly are not. Um, I would urge, at this point, every federal employee who is listening to this podcast or watching it to start setting money aside because I think it's a very real possibility that we will have a shutdown. Do I hope we don't? Absolutely. Do I hope calmer heads will prevail? But when you have people in Congress saying, well, I think a shutdown's a good thing. I think we should shut down. Are you freaking kidding me? This is insane. This is Congress's big job is to appropriate money and they can't do that. There was an agreement between the president And the appropriations folks in the Senate and the House on how to get this passed when we did the debt ceiling. The Senate is, you know, right now compared to the House, a well-oiled machine. And in a bipartisan manner, they're getting ready to do all of their bills to have them ready. Basically, the House is wanting to undercut the deal and say, oh, we're going to fund less, which could be a lot of less funding for places like the IRS, which desperately need it so we can keep helping the taxpayers. So I think that there's unfortunately at this point a very real chance that they won't even pass a continuing resolution and we'll be looking at a shutdown of whatever duration.
0: And October 1st is the key date here. And I don't know, there there have been studies done on this Duncan and every study shows we have we pay an economic price every time there is a government shutdown. It's not just federal employees and agencies and and all the various uh, individuals and businesses that have to deal with the federal government on a daily basis. Uh, This has a general economic impact that cannot be uh, ignored.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, outside of federal employees, which I'll get to in a second, you know, for the general taxpayers that may need transcripts, Uh, They need, you know, need social things from Social Security, uh, questions for Veterans Administration, all these things that may be shut down and they can't get to them. For federal employees, at least one congressperson has said, well, what are they worried about? They know they're going to get paid anyway. Yeah, that's a really great attitude to take. And I'm sure that any federal employee right now who's living paycheck to paycheck can just go to the grocery store and tell them, Hey, I'm going to be getting paid anyway. Go ahead and let me have the groceries. Hey, you know, utility bill. I'm going to be getting paid anyway. Go ahead and keep this on. You know, hey, mortgage lender. I'm going to be getting paid anyway, so don't worry about the payment. It'll be late. You shouldn't charge me. It's just nuts to me that some of these people are so out of touch that they think it's just fine to do this.
0: Now, let's talk about something we've discussed before there is this Inflation Reduction Act money. It's been reduced, but there's still a lot of money in there. Will the IRS continue to work if there is a government shutdown? Do we know the answer to that question yet?
1: Uh, we do not know for sure. My suspicion is is that everybody will be working. They will consider everyone um, what they call an accepted employee. So you will be expected to report and do your job, whether you're doing it telework or Uh, in your office. Now, will that money be able to be applied to paychecks when, you know, the government is shut down and the people who process the payroll may be not working or, you know, working without pay? We don't know the answers to those. Um, I think that's information to come. You know, we'd have the funds, but are we going to be able to use it to continue to pay people while this is going on? We just don't know. And, Hopefully it wouldn't come to that. It would be of a short enough duration that they would, uh, you know, maybe a weekend or something like that, that they would get their act together and at least to a continuing resolution. But with the attitude of some of these, it's going to take a bipartisan effort in both the Senate and the House to be able to do this. And I'm not sure that one of those chambers is able to do that.
0: Well, we'll watch it closely, and uh, we we hope that it does not come to that. Yes, if IRS is required to to work, and we cannot get our paychecks, that's like the worst of all worlds. People forget when we had that like was it a month long, almost a month long, government shutdown during the Trump administration. What finally got that uh, ended was the fact that you know the air traffic controllers were considered you know, they had to work because they were key, and and uh, they just got worn down with no pay to the point where they just called in sick. And and you could say it wasn't really a a typical union sit-out or sick-out. They were really sick. They were worked to death, and they weren't getting paid for all the work they were doing. So I think when the air traffic controllers just stopped showing up for work, you know, I mean, something like that could happen again with who knows what. It could be that the sector of the, the federal government or any other sector that the public will just say, you know, come on now, stop this. So I don't know, Duncan, we still have this group in Congress that seems to be cheering on a government shutdown. And I it amazes me that they continue to get away with this.
1: Yeah, there is, to be honest with you, there's no excuse for it. I understand not being happy with the budget. I understand not being happy with the deficit. I get all this, but there are processes to go through to do it and to continually, you know, if you have a deal, you should be honoring the deal and to try and come back and say, well, this was a ceiling. It wasn't the floor. No, this was a pretty big understanding on everybody's part that these were the numbers. And for them to come back and, you know, try and say something else is at best disingenuous
0: let's put it this way. Some people say, uh, I'm not going to compromise ever. You know, I'm, I, this is the way it's going to be that way or the highway. Well, if people had felt that way, we would have never had a constitution study the constitutional convention. What historians say, those people all came in with very different ideas and it nearly broke down several times, but in the end, they knew that the United States was going to become a nation that had the ability to deal with the rest of the world and have some kind of un- un- unity to the point where they could be one nation and several states. Um, you know, that required a great deal of painful compromises. like nobody seems to understand the meaning of that word anymore, and that's sad. Yeah,
1: it, it truly is, and that is a wonderful analogy. What I was flashing to was these people who say, well, I'm not compromising, must be really joyous to be in relationships or you know, marriages or something like that with, because that's just, it. it's, you can't have that attitude. Yeah. You never want to compromise your core values, get that, not a problem, but to say I'm not compromising at all. You know, that's just, that's nuts in your position.
0: Well, we'll watch this closely as I mentioned, and we'll keep you updated. We will not be uh podcasting next week, mainly because Duncan is going to be in Detroit, Michigan for the, uh, once every two years, national convention. Once every four years, uh, elections for national office. Uh, Tony Reardon, of course, is retiring. Uh, he was on this podcast a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we will all miss him. He was very generous with his time with us, uh, appearing on our podcast many times. And now Doreen Greenwald is going to be installed as as the new national president at the convention in, in Detroit. So um, those are the main Detroit Uh, convention highlights, what else are you uh, looking to see as you enter convention week?
1: Yeah, this is something that people always go, okay, well, you're just going to a convention, and what do you do? Well, there's a lot of work that goes into this. Um, We want to make sure that the uh, bylaws and uh, constitution of NTU is up to date, so there are always uh, amendments to be voted on, discussed, talked about, Uh, bylaws, things that we're trying to, uh, you know, push Congress on. We want to be of one voice in trying to move forward on this. And you have to remember when you're talking 34, 35 different agencies, there are a lot of different voices and different issues that, you know, it may not be important to the IRS, but if it's something that's important to the Forest Service that we represent, we want to make sure that that's taken care of as well, that we're looking out for their interests because Every single agency that we represent is important, and this is one of those things where you know you get to see everybody, and it comes together as a whole to try and work for the common good.
0: You know, I was a delegate to the convention twice back in the nineteen nineties, and there's nothing more thrilling than a roll call vote (laughs) when there's a roll. What are we up to? (laughs) Three hundred chapters, now just under that. One at a time. Every chapter goes up and and votes at the microphone one at a time. I used to bring a book with me just so I could sit through a roll call vote. And plus, you're right, there there are very important elections for uh, the uh, various vice presidents that are denoted by geography and agency and uh, there's the national uh, executive vice president there are three candidates for that uh, position but uh, yes there are other there are resolutions that the uh, union passes to kind of give the the union's uh, position on a number of issues so th- there's a lot of work to do more than just uh, the national president and i was there when the national president was was a contested race and that was exciting uh, came out about the way we thought but uh, was Definitely exciting. So, Duncan, um, any thoughts about the convention before we move on?
1: Yeah, it's it's going to be a tough one for me. And the reason is, is you know, not only is Tony Reardon, um, you know, our national president, not only is he a great leader, but he's a good friend. And for him to, you know, it's his time to ride into the sunset, um, that's going to be very tough and emotional for a lot of us who've known Tony for decades and have been very close to him, and just think the world of him. You know, wish him nothing but the best, but it's going to be different. The only saving grace that I think we have is knowing that a Doreen Greenwald is going to become our national president, who's done this type of job. You know, she was the chapter president of uh, Chapter 1 in Wisconsin before she went up to the, uh, the national office, and she was an outstanding chapter president, uh, we work together many, many, many times. Uh, she's a close friend and just a wonderful leader, wonderful person, and wonderful leader. So it's going to be good in that regard, but it's tough to see Tony uh, take his well deserved retirement uh, and, and right off into the sunset into North Carolina.
0: Well, first of all, I just can't. I'm just got to find if, if there's some way on the internet I can find one of his play-by-play for sports. I want to hear how he does, so I can send him uh, a criticism. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I'm sure he'll do a fine job. It is it. Being a sportscaster is a harder job than people think, and we talked about that on the podcast, so I'm sure he'll be fine. And of course, we'll be extending an invitation for Doreen to come. She's been on the podcast a, a few times as a National Executive Vice President, so once he's kind of got her feet on the ground, we will certainly invite her to come on and talk to us and discuss the issues that uh, she'll be facing right away. So, um, And of course, Duncan, you do have this little thing called a wedding when you get back home, so... We talked about that I before. I do. <laughs> <You'll> be, <laughs> yeah. you'll, you will be one busy guy, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, is he out driving back on a Friday, getting married on a Saturday? It's it's going to prove uh, interesting.
0: But you, yeah, that's a little more ambitious than I would be. I've, I've made that drive from Detroit, so I, good luck <laughs> doing that and <laughs> having a wedding ceremony the next day. Okay, let's move on to another issue. You and I have talked about this with these putting COVID behind us. COVID had a lot of issues. And one of the issues that remained when COVID sort of went away as an issue were the 6,700, 6,700 reasonable accommodation requests that have been pending from the EDI operation, what we used to call, uh, you know, EEO, we call it EDI now. And uh, 6,700, just an incredible number. That's not a really big organization. You know, I mean, it's, it's it was going to be a really big job for them to process all of those. So how we just received some word on what's happening with those. Tell us what you know.
1: Yeah, Commissioner Werfel, um, he's really hit the ground running on, a, on basically every level. And I think that he is wanting to make sure that the IRS runs as smoothly as possible. And that includes things like this. And basically because the pandemic is officially over and, uh, you know, per the president, there is no more national emergency for the pandemic. Basically what EDI has done is closed out over 6,700 of these reasonable accommodation cases because people didn't want to be mandated because of certain things uh, and they were still being looked at. Well, now those cases are closed what I can foresee in my crystal ball is that, you know, people who've been home all during the pandemic may be asked to, you know, start coming in during tele, you know, doing frequent telework. Uh, And it could be quite a jarring experience for folks who've, uh, you know, not had to show up in an office for a couple of years. So it's going to prove interesting, but again, we're moving forward and past this and thank goodness we've finally come through the other side to you know of the pandemic and able to move forward
0: well if people ask for reasonable accommodations to work at home all the time as a result of covid now that covid is gone you your crystal ball is very interesting when well, you've been around at this for a while so you know that what may end up happening because these people have been working at home all the time for years now uh, are they going to come in and ask for a reasonable accommodation perhaps changing the the argument as to why
1: Yeah, that's going to be an interesting thing, because a reasonable accommodation, you're going to have to have um, basically a medical issue that says that you can't be around people. So if that were the case, you'd basically have to be housebound right now and not, you know, go out and go to dinner or something of that nature. And it's there are just a lot of unknowns at this point on how exactly it's going to play out. But I think they are going to be moving forward on this. So folks who. Do have this type of reasonable accommodation should be prepared uh, for this eventuality. I'm always one that hopes for the best, plans for the worst, and so I, I would advise folks to be planning for this in the eventuality. Uh, you know, if the eventuality that I see coming does in fact come.
0: Well, you mentioned uh, Commissioner Werfel already. Uh, he's obviously made a commitment to work with NTEU and has followed through on that. I think up to this point, we should feel very good about the fact that he looks at NTEU as the representative of the employees and has dealt with us on on, on that uh, scale. But he's promised something else. He says he's going to, this is, I think, the way it's been described, skill up, skill up managers' training and how to improve the work lives of their employees. Now, I got to say something. I was a man you know, I've got the rare experience of having been a long time union rep and then uh, an official, and then going into management. what I found in uh, dealing with other managers is that managers kind of uh, went into several categories. One category, like myself, NTEU was an important institution. we need to deal with it on a professional basis to deal with them as as an important institution representing employees. But some managers hated nteu for whatever reason another group of managers were scared to death of nteu for whatever reasons and i always found that to be kind of interesting i think it's very important because it's not a, a large part of manager training to be honest with you even when we got contract training we sat in a room and watched a video with an lr specialist who answered questions and i was the only one that ever had any questions in the group so um I'm, that's a big speech, sorry to, to do that, but I do think it's going to be a challenge because a lot of man, the managers simply relied on the LR specialist. anytime something came up with NTU and really didn't do want to even think about it much themselves. And uh, the, this idea of improving employees' work lives, and NTU can be a, a very important part of that. The fact that the commissioner wants to make that part of manager training is a very positive thing, I think. What do you think?
1: Yeah, first off, I think you're, Uh, perspective is very valuable because you've been there Um, and I see a lot of the same types of management officials you do the commissioner um, in our dealings with him, both nationally and the limited ones I've had so far uh, myself has shown that he really does want to work with NTU that he wants to make sure that the employees work life improves he knows how tough it is for basically every job whether you're in the service center Call site, you're in, you know, SBSE and going out and, and examining or collecting. You're an LBNI going to these large cases, IT, whatever it is, you know, TAS, whatever the position that you hold in the IRS. He knows it's difficult. He knows it's tough, and he wants to improve that. And part of this is something that um, local leaders and national leaders for NTU has been asking for quite a while: is start training your managers. On you know the contract, how to deal with people, things like reasonable accommodations, FMLA. That, like you said, a lot of managers just say, "Well, I'll just let you know LR handle this." That's not the way to be. You want to educate yourself. The good managers that I deal with out there, and you are one of them. Educate themselves on the issues, are knowledgeable, can talk about it, and make sure to work out things that work not only for the service but also for the employee as much as possible, and that's what we're looking for, and that's what the commissioner is committed to.
0: And it's very good. The commissioner does seem very serious about his job and, and very serious about making sure that the IRS is, is a better place to work. You know, I got to tell you something, Doug. You know, I worked in media for years before I went into government service, and I knew I saw how, how hard my father worked. You know, he worked for the Defense Department most of his working life, and he had stressful jobs, difficult job, worked hard. And I, there was this idea that floated around america that civil servants particularly federal civil servants really didn't have to work that hard you know those were easy jobs and i when i, I came to irs i thought I'm, I'm still looking for that easy job i haven't had one and and uh if it exists i sure haven't found it yet there's an expectation yeah. that we were supposed to work e-
1: exactly and you know as well as I do, and you know, going into convention with these 34 different agencies, I know each and every one that they represent have employees that are working their asses off for the American taxpayer doing what they're supposed to be doing. In my case, I can see it for IRS employees doing it every single day. They're doing it with not enough people for the most part. They're doing it with... Uh, you know, the equipment is getting better and the systems are getting better, but it's still fairly antiquated. And, you know, we're really hoping that it can improve over time to keep getting better and better, making it, if it's better for the employees, if it's easier for the employees, if they have a better work life balance, if they have managers who understand and are empathetic and what they're going through, all of that is going to come through and be better for the taxpayers. And that's the ultimate goal to make sure that we service the taxpayers as best we can.
0: Well, one last thing here because the IRS made some headlines in the last few days before we record this podcast, made an announcement that there's going to be a goal of going paperless, paperless by 2025. Now, I'm not sure if that's achievable, but I do know that the service is I mean, if you look a little closer, the real underpinning of that is that the service is looking again to use some of this money that Congress has so far provided to upgrade technology, where refunds will come up more quickly, and that uh, there can be a, a more of an IT based processing system. So that's really good news. I think if that, first of all, do you think that's achievable the way it's been announced, and secondly, how do you think this may or may not affect IRS employees?
1: Yeah, one of the things that we've discussed is how technology is going to help employees, and is it going to uh, have a detrimental impact on employees? You know, some of the things we're talking about going paperless. People are like, well, what are they going to be doing in things like submission processing where they take in these returns? Well, there's always going to be people putting in paper returns. That's going to be the natural. But instead of having to punch in the numbers, they can scan them in, do them much quicker, much more efficiently, Less mistakes. You know, there are chat bots out there that are answering phone calls, you know, for the IRS. But is that going to have a detrimental effect on employees? Are we going to be hiring less CSRs, things of that nature? Absolutely not. We're, as, you know, WNI Commissioner Ken Corbin said, it's just, you know, getting rid of pent up demand. There's always going to be that high demand. So, you know, the technology that we're hoping for going paperless. You know, improving our systems, um, getting away from some of these long, legacy, long and seasoned legacy systems that we have to modern technology with this money from the IRA is is nothing but good at this point that we can see. And hopefully we can get to the point where we're just scanning everything, not having to punch in and doing things online as opposed to paper so we can go paperless as much as possible.
0: Yeah, you have to remember that IRA means something different within tax law. So this is the Inflation Reduction Act IRA, not the tax law IRA. And you do usually we make that differentiation so people don't get confused. Okay, Duncan, your final comment.
1: Yeah, you know, as we said, you know, I'm going to be going to the NTU convention. Um, and one of the things that I really enjoy about going to convention is talking with my counterparts, uh, from across the country and from across different agencies, uh, to see how they're working to try and help their employees, how they can make them better. Any ideas that we can get, either you know individually or collaboratively, to help improve the lives of the employees we represent, I'm all for, and I continually try to do that. So it's it's you know something that's a very good thing for the employees. And, you know, the frontline employees, the people who are doing the work are always on our minds.
0: Excellent. I, that dovetails uh, the conventions I've attended. I've only been to two, but that, uh, those are the conventions. I think you're right. Talking with people from other agencies, other IRS chapters, it's, uh, it's a good thing. It's a good experience. My final comment is something that hit the news the day before we record this podcast. I'm not even going to mention the name. There was a presidential candidate that was asked on the campaign trail, tell us what uh, your approach will be to federal workers. His response, if I'm president on day one, I'll start slitting throats. That is a quote, an exact quote of what that presidential candidate said. You know, we've had a lot of politicians who have trashed federal employees but it's now getting to an ugly level right now. So all I would ask you to do, we're a long way away from a presidential election or, or even a primary. In Indiana, our primary is not until May, but there are primaries all over the country. I was going to have one early in the year for a caucus. New Hampshire has a primary. My point to you is this. You know, when you talk to your friends and relatives, tell them about this. You know, there are certain candidates that say certain things that we should not be voting for. And I'm not being political here. You're, you know, I'm not not trying to push a political party or a particular candidate. What I'm saying is you make these voting decisions yourself and for your friends and relatives. Tell them, you know, think about whether you want to vote for somebody who wants to use the term slitting throats when they're dealing with their own workforce. That's my final comment. Anything you want to add, Duncan?
1: I, I wholeheartedly agree with you, and it's just reprehensible to think and think. You know, is he literally going to be slitting throats? No, but even making that comment to put that in people's minds is just
0: absolutely abhorrent. Well, the language is what really. I don't think he's going to yep. literally do it. But he—that's the if that's the language he wants to use, we know what what that what that means. So you just heard Duncan Giles, our chapter president here. For Chapter 49, you've been listening to the Chapter 49 podcast. We try to have this uh, a weekly podcast. We do miss some weeks, and we will uh, miss the next week, but we'll be back in a couple of weeks here from from uh, August 4th, the day we record this, this particular podcast. Just want to let you know, thank you for watching and listening. If you think there are others that may get something out of this podcast, let people know, share the link. If you want a link every week for the video and audio versions of this podcast, send an email to Duncan Giles. He has a list. He sends it out every time we post. Just send him an email at nteu49 at aol.com. Well, uh, also, we have a Facebook page. It's updated regularly with news that would be of interest to people in the working for the IRS. And go to chapter 49, NTU chapter 49, Indiana on Facebook. In the meantime, thanks for watching and listening. Be safe, be kind.